whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Hey everybody. Yes, that's right. We have moved our regularly scheduled program from Wednesday to Tuesday because things are getting so busy at Mojo with the start of the NRLW, the NRL, and soon to be NBA show coming to the network. But hey, all good things happen on Tuesdays. Tidal's Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, and we just had Tuesday this week on the 22nd of the 2nd, 2022. So hey, I'm actually not too upset about it, but Welcome back to another episode of the Women in Gridiron podcast. I'm Stacey Spear, and once again, I am joined by the best panel in the business. Not so much a panel, it's just me and Beck tonight. No Christy or Nat, because they're unfortunately wearing the brunt of the Queensland weather up there and bunking down for the night with some sandbags, which is not great. And uh, our thoughts go out to everyone in Queensland at the moment. And uh, Beck, we had our first day of little to no rain, and it was a nice break from the constant feeling of pruny toes and fingertips that I've had this week. And it was a big week for football. Not only did we tune into the West Bowl, but Grace and Amy from our Canberra Mixed Gender Football episode played their Capital Bowl and also got the dub. Congratulations, Grace and Amy. And, you know, just to make tonight super exciting, I have a special guest. Casey Cubis is back on the podcast. Welcome, Casey. Thank you so much for having me again. Yeah, guys. So intro question tonight. I'm just going to put you on the spot with this one. Game day rituals and superstitions. You know, there's always certain things you do, whether it's listen to a song, wear something significant, eat something purposeful, heaps of weird and wonderful things are out there. And I want to know what's yours. Beck, kick us off. I mean, I have a couple. I have both superstition and game day ritual. I um, I like to get to the field ridiculously early because it takes me so long to get ready. So I will get to the field like two hours before I need to be there and I'll hang around for a little bit I'll you know listen to my game day playlist and take my time to get ready I don't like to be rushed so I do that but I also wear the exact same which I feel like a lot of other girls do this I feel like it's not just me wear the same bra and underwear and socks every single week yeah that's completely fair and and mine is similar to that one too where you know, I think I wore the same pair of Superman underwear for seven years. I think, I feel like it was seven years. Yeah, I know, right? Like they were only game day specific. They were washed, yes, but I had to wear them every single day. Um, and it wasn't until I think maybe 2019 when I was like, look, you know, I think, you know, there's there's no waistband left. They were really not serving any purpose. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to let this go. But, you know, from then on, seasons haven't been great. So maybe I need to bring them back uh Casey what's yours um yeah look I definitely relate to you know the the whole the same you know bra undies you know all of that sort of vibe I'm a super like routine person in my everyday life so that obviously I guess translates to game day as well um probably my biggest thing is straightening my hair it doesn't matter if like it's going to be a cyclonic game or anything like that but I just need to straighten my hair it takes a long time I've got a lot of hair but it just kind of you know, it calms me and gets me like in the mood and, you know, I'm like I'm good to go from there. That one plays my mind a little bit because like you strain it for it to get muddy and dirty and curly. All to, over put it back, to 
put I mean, it straight back in a plat and um and play a game of football but it's just it's part of the routine it has been ever since I started playing and I love it, it probably will be until the day I retire love it guys tonight we've got a cracker episode it's our very first breakdown episode and by breakdown, we're going to be talking about the GW Women's West Bowl between the West Coast Wolverines and the Rockingham Vipers. So let's not mess about. Let's just get into it. It's do or die. One game. Got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Um, not everything went to plan at all. Um... And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is the breakdown, and tonight we're breaking down the West Bowl. And I wanted to go back and kind of discuss our predictions for a couple of these teams earlier on in the season, which you can go back to and listen to, BT Dubs. But, you know, we had the Wolverines in the standings early on. I think Kay went bold and predicted the upset. I had them in the bowl with a few caveats. But I guess to summarise, you know, the West Bowl, it, it was... It was kind of pre- precision from the Vipers. I mean, a successful season, losing one game on a roll roll of points um, for four and against was truly remarkable for both sides of the ball, and they seemed really well put together. Casey, is that kind of reminiscent of, of how they went into this game? Like, the semis, I feel like they kind of cruised through, and, you know, I don't think they took their foot off the pedal at all coming into this championship. Yeah, look, I think um, I think probably the the score the end scoreline probably surprised a few people um, from last night's game. Um, you know, like I said, um, you know the the couple of encounters that the Vipers and the Wolverines had throughout the year were basically um, you know decided by a touchdown. You know, so you know to then go out and you know obviously have such a big um, you know scoreline difference was you know obviously. Um, you know, good for the Vipers, you know, I love them. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, props to the Wolverines for, um, you know, getting that far, um, you know, in the season and, you know, um, yeah, really, I guess, showing, um, you know, what, what they've got to offer. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like you said, then you've got the Wolverines, you know, at fourth place coming up against hurdles like injuries and uh, lack of players um, for them to take out, you know, come up and edge out the Broncos who were clear favourites upon the podcast when we spoke to uh, Kelly Hopkins. You know, she had one goal in mind and it's unfortunate that the Wolverines knocked her out of that. But, you know, for them, this is kind of the fairy tale story, their first trip to the big dance ever. And uh, Beck, I mean, the Vipers controlled the game from the very first snap. You know, they were so dominant with their runs, scoring on the very first play. And, you know, I've played a few championships and, and that first play usually sets the tone. I guess, Beck, how did the Vi- from the Vipers' perspective, how important was that first play? And I guess how do you go about setting the tone early in a bowl game? I mean, yeah, it's definitely all about setting the tone and the Vipers would have had a game plan to go out there and score on their first drive, whether it was the first play or not. Like they would have really wanted to do that to set the tone. But I feel like we also have to point out that this Wolverines team is a super young team. They're inexperienced. Like this is their first time at a bowl game. This Vipers team is super experienced. They've been there, you know, a lot. They have a lot of experience on this stage. And I think for the Wolverines, they just might have, 
the stage just might have been a bit too big for them. Like, but the fact that they could compete throughout the season and play really close games and then compete during these semis to get that spot in the bowl game, like they've obviously earned it. But I think just being there was a lot of pressure. And I think it was um, a bit too, that might have been a bit too big for their boots in that game. Yeah, and I think, you know, from the Wolverines, it was kind of the ability to be able to shake off that very first play and go to the next play, which was going to be crucial for how the game was going to end up. And, you know, to keep things tight, like you said, like Casey said, the score didn't reflect how the game was played. Like, it wasn't a boring game by any stance. Like, there was some good hits. There was some great runs. Um but being able, you know, part, part of football is being able to forget what's just happened and rally for the next play. And, Casey, I wanted to touch on the Viper run game. You know, super strong. They ran that super strong formation, tight receivers in, essentially adding a couple of extra set of linemen uh, from that wide receiver position to that line. Talk to us about, I guess, the skills that are needed, uh, you know, from that O-line uh, core group to create the space back there that makes you guys so so dominant. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, the good thing, and I think, you know, the commentators in the game touched on it, that that O-line, they really didn't make many mistakes during that game at all. Um, and, you know, that that core group, they've been working together, um, you know, for a few years now, and obviously that's starting to show. Um, I chatted to a couple of the girls, um, you know, obviously, you know, after the game last night and, and today, and um, I, think, I think the one thing that really you know stuck with me from what they said is that they just have such a good communication you know like they all talk the o-line talks to each other you know Xanthi the quarterback you know she talks to the o-line and asks them what they're seeing and you know that that sort of helps her um you know read a play and you know um all of that sort of stuff and then obviously that you know feeds into the backs and they all have you know real trust and confidence I think um within each other to you know, that whatever whatever's going to happen is, you know, they've all got each other's back. And I think you could really see that throughout the game, that this, this O-line had been playing for quite some time together. You know, they were all on the same page. They were really dominant in making their blocks and creating those gaps for that running game. But also if plays didn't go their way or, you know, someone made a mistake, they didn't get flustered. They were able to go back to the huddle, reset and come out and continue playing. And I think that comes from a lot of experience. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I go, Kate, you're good. Oh, sorry. And I was just going to say also, like, you know, even the body language, I guess, that you saw from them too, like there was just absolutely not a moment where they, you know, put their heads down or, you know, anything like that. You know, like you said, Beck, if it didn't go their way, it just, um, you know, heads up and, you know, let's move on to the next play. So, you know, that's really good, I think, when you don't dwell on anything and just keep moving forward. And that's what we need O-line to do, right, is <clears throat> move forward, you know, Running place, obviously, not passing place because that's no yeah. good. Um, but I guess I wanted to talk to you about your quarterback, Xanthi. I mean, you propped her so big in our first episode. And I wanted to touch on the read aspect of the offense from the Vipers. I mean, there was a lot of – and this is why, I mean, from a defensive perspective, their formation, that super strong formation, or even that's the two running backs in the backfield, Xanthi's under center um, – and just reading a lot of like, there's a lot of like read option style of plays in that playbook. And for someone who's so young to be able to have such a handle on reading the defense, which is personally, I think one of the hardest things that you can do. Um, talk to us about how, like how that came together for her, because it can be quite a confusing concept to get your head around. 
Yeah, look, definitely. You know, I've, um, you know, I have a vested interest in, I guess, anyone who plays quarterback. Um, you know, I, I love the position and I, you know, wanted to see people grow and develop in that position. And, um, you know, you know, you touched that, you know, on that Xanthi's young. I mean, she's not young necessarily in age, but she's certainly young in terms of, you know, playing that position. Um, and, but I think, you know, one of the things that I really liked about the season and, you know, Xanthi has spoken to me about is that the coaches, um, both of them uh, have really given her a lot of responsibility. So they've almost forced her to um, learn a lot about the game, you know, whereas, you know, some people might be a bit tentative and, you know, stand back and, you know, what she's just been, I, I guess, basically thrown into it. And it's, you know, I think she's really taken that on and, and just done an amazing job. Oh, completely. And, you know, there's, I mean, there's two approaches there. Exactly like you said, is is wait and progress the learning from a quarterback perspective till you get up to that reading, like start real simple. But like what Xanthi was doing is is things that, you know, like a triple read kind of, I think a triple read came out uh, potentially. And I was like, man, what is this? Like this girl, I haven't seen her before. And to be able to master that, um, you know, being so new to the position is a testament to everything that you've taught her, I guess. But um, let's talk about those two double backs, the strong big backs uh, in the backfield for the Vipers. So you've got Adelaide, Farmasuli, Farala, and Adrian Aka, I believe. Like they had, a, yeah. they had a night like last night and it was so fun to watch. And man, do they look hard to tackle? Yeah, look, I think that, you know, they're both obviously very young um, footballers and they're very, you know, multi-talented, you know, they're multi-sports in terms of, you know, they play rugby league or, um, you know, they, you know, they go to the gym and all of that sort of stuff. So they're so, so talented, um, you know, and obviously, and so strong. And like you said, hard to tackle. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, over the years to come, you know, if we can watch them develop and, you know, perhaps learn the more like, finesse in terms of football you know not not just you know running over people but you know more reading blocks and you know all of that sort of stuff um you know I I think that will just you know absolutely take their game you know to the next level and I think it brings this team to a whole new level too having two strong backs to be able to swap in and out of like we don't see a lot of that um versatility in most of our teams you know most of the teams that we come up against or we play with have like one very dominant back that we tend to use all the time. So I think this Vipers team being able to have both of those players in their backfield definitely gives them another level on their offense. It also meant too that they were able to control the game in its entirety. I mean, Xanthi can pass, but they never felt the need to. So, I mean, for me, I was a little bit, I was, I was kind of like, come on, guys, like bring out something really cool, like some trick play, but at the same time you're kind of like, I'm in a bowl and we're winning 38-0. Like you don't want to be that guy, you know, so I understand where that's coming from. But, uh, you know, I think unfortunately it was a little bit down to the inexperience of the Wolverines because they just kept getting beat on those read plays. I mean, biting down on the running back and just opening it up for uh, Xanthi to get some good yards every time she had the ball in her hand, which, you know, is of benefit to the Vipers. But... I feel like this would be a really good opportunity to talk about the Wolverines. And I want to talk specifically about Amy Dag now. Uh, you know, she's one of the most veteran players on the Wolverines, having played for the WA Raiders at Nationals. And, man, she was the heart and soul of this team for the Wolverines. Cubis, what was your thoughts on her performance? Yeah, look, I, like I, I think she had a great game. Um, you know, obviously, 
um, you know, she's played for the Vipers in previous years. So, you know, I, I think maybe, you know, they might have had a little bit of inside knowledge as to how she goes about her football, you know, so hopefully, you know, you know, that may have helped a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it was a big stage and, you know, I think probably the inexperience, um, you know, of the team as a whole, you know, obviously didn't um, didn't help. But, you know, I mean, she said you could see, you know, her trying to lead her team. And and at the end of the day, that's all you want from, you know, one of your senior players, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And she's got, you know, one of the most amazing like body types for our sport. I mean, she's super tall and she's put a lot of work into strength and conditioning. So she's super physical right now. Um, I guess coming up against her at nationals, she was really hard to guard from a DB perspective just because of her height um, and her strength, you know, and in this game, she played running back, she played DB, linebacker, she played wide receiver, she took a few snaps at quarterback. I mean, you could just see the weight of the world uh, sitting on her shoulders and she was just trying to get something happening. And, you know, I, I felt for her because I think we've all been that person once or twice in a game during our career being like, if only I could do a thing, like I just want to do a thing and then everything will be okay. Everything will fall into place. But unfortunately it just didn't happen out that way. Um, but yeah, I think also too, that like for the Vipers, um, I know when they versed the Broncos, it was a lot of the no huddle, no huddle, hurry up style offense. And, and I knew that that threw the Broncos a little bit when they played the first time or the last time, sorry. Um, but I actually think that it played into the strengths of the Wolverines because they were actually able to just play naturally. I felt like the more that the Vipers were huddling, the more that the Wolverines were questioning what they were supposed to be doing, whereas no huddle offense, they got straight into things and they'll be able to read and react, which was really good. You know what? I um I have to give props to this defense. As much as they struggled in that first half, um, they gave up a lot of outside plays, you know, missed gaps, things like that. But they came out in the second half and I think they adjusted and made some good changes to be able to um defend against the Vipers offense, like you said, um, the Vipers came out into a no huddle. I wasn't sure if it was the third or the fourth quarter. Um, and when they did, this Wolverines defense was able to make some really big stops and turn the ball over on fourth down. So props to that defense for being able to adjust and come out and play decent. Yeah, completely. Casey, you got a couple of highlights from the game? I just honestly, I loved, I love the O line. I loved the work, um, you know, that they put in to really just, you know, create space, um, you know, for the strength of their team, you know, which is their backfield. Um, you know, the Vipers, they really, they play with their heart, and I think, um, you know, pretty much each week throughout the season, you know, they're playing with, you know, 12, 13, 14 girls. You know, so that's everyone, you know, pretty much everyone playing both ways. You know, Xanthi, you know, as a quarterback is playing, you know, both ways, you know, every game. And, like, that's really physical and that's really hard football. And, you know, I, I just love that. I, I love to see that. Yeah, you know, and I think the Wolverines not being a throwing team, you know, towards the end of the game, like Beck said, they, they started the second half really, really good. Uh, but, unfortunately, they kept shooting themselves in the foot by getting penalties after that. Um, but they were trying trying to throw whatever was left in the kitchen sink at the Vipers, but overall were kind of unable to put any points on the board, which wasn't a reflection of the game for the Vipers to claim their second West Bowl title to win at 38-0. Overall, I think we should definitely see a lot of these girls at the upcoming Outback Combines in WA, and 
I guess the strength of the league is only going to continue to grow as a result of this. I mean, there's nothing worse than a league that is just completely uh, dominated by two teams year after year. To have the Wolverines be able to get into that West Bowl, I think, is a huge achievement for them and the league itself. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, which is Rapid Fire. Hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Now, Casey, I'm hoping that you'll stay on for this one because all of us having played both sides of the ball at one point or another, I wanted to know the best way personally to win a championship. Defensive stand to win or walk-off touchdown in the final minutes. Personally, for me, it's a defensive play. I'm pretty lucky that I got to do that once in an over well with a pick to end the game. We were like really lucky in GNSW last year to get a super entertaining championship um, with a double overtime between the Raiders and the Rebels. Uh, so, Beck, do you want a goal line stop or a 50-yard bomb for TD to finish the championship? This is a super tough one because I feel like throughout the game, you want to play a super strong defensive game. Like you want to stop the other team from scoring. I feel like that's how you have more chances of winning a game. But I feel like in the last play of the game, going out on like a big 50-yard touchdown or a broken run with like five seconds left to go, you score a touchdown, the whole sideline is jumping up and down. They're running down the field cheering with you. I feel like that just has so much more excitement and hype around it to finish a game, especially a championship. Yeah, and Casey, I don't know if you were playing uh, at the time, but the Jets v Stingray Summer Bowl back in GQ, and I feel like it was 2013, that game was 6-0 scoreline, and we're talking 2013, like way, way, way back in the day. It was actually the first use of video replay in a women's game and potentially a grand final um, to get the nod on that touchdown to break the deadlock. And, man, that game was hectic. And I know that you've also won a few of championships in your time. What's your opinion on the best way to win? Yeah, look, um, going back to that game, um, I, was, I remember watching that game. I was actually doing the chains on the sideline. I think that might have been my first year actually playing. Um, you know, I played for the Spartans. Obviously, we, you know, we weren't in finals contention, but I remember, you know, volunteering and going and, um, and doing the chains for that game. And I was just in absolute awe, um, you know, of, yeah, both, both sides of the ball, you know, on both teams. And, you know, I, yeah, I really do remember that game. But, you know, for me, I'm an offense person, um, you know, so give me that 50-yard bomb all day every day I'll take that thank you very much are you are you throwing it or are you catching it or are you doing both to yourself oh look I'll take I'll take either or <laughs> yeah look you know and I don't think it's been said enough on this podcast um I certainly say it enough in my other podcasts but uh de- defense definitely wins championships um and I guess on that Thank you to Beck and Casey for coming on tonight and breaking down the West Bowl. Congratulations again, Casey, on a back-to-back and for being part of our podcast for the second time to give your insight. It was really, really awesome to have you. Um, And to all of our followers, as I mentioned earlier uh, in the show, we will be releasing episodes on a Tuesday. So hit the subscribe button, check us out on the socials. Thanks to everyone who has already given us a five-star on Apple and Spotify and for the reviews. So guys, those have been great. Uh, If you haven't already downloaded any episodes, uh, jump on that, uh, give it a listen. You can catch our episodes with the the Vipers, the Broncos, the Wolverines and the Curtain Saints from the GW uh, season this year. Um, 
yeah, jump on it, download. That's really going to help us. And with that, we will see you next Tuesday. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.